0: you <laughs> Welcome back to The Pod and The Pendulum. I'm your host, Mike Snoonian, joined once again by my fantastic co-host, Lindsay Travis. Lindsay, how are we tonight?
1: Hello, I'm good. We're, you know, I feel like every single week I'm like, we're in it. We're in the season. Um, But I always mean it.
0: Because we are. It is that time of year where we are officially in the season. And we're doing something a little bit different tonight, uh, as we have been all month, um, Lindsay obviously um, covers a lot of festivals in her job, like as a freelance writer. Um, and I love to attend festivals, and I'm one of the co hosts of the Telluride Horror Show. So we thought we would talk tonight about movies that you, our audience, have not seen. Most likely have not seen. We don't want to assume anything. Um, but these are some titles that I think are going to be your favorite movies this time next year as they start to get distribution uh as you get a chance to start to see them i think a running theme tonight will be like when shutter actually starts showing them because (laughs) a lot of them are picked up by shutter um but yeah so it's a chance let's kind of think of this as your sneak previews but i thought i'd start by asking Lindsay. like i think everyone should attend if not a horror movie film festival, then a film festival at some point in their life. And I think Lindsay, you agree as well. Like what in particular is it that you love about film festivals?
1: Ooh, there's so much they come. Um, that's a really great question. They come with like this cool sense of community, especially if you can find these like niche festivals. Like I'm pretty spoiled in Toronto. There's like a niche festival every weekend, but, um, I mean, maybe not that, much, but like, there are a lot of festivals, but like, it's cool to be like, I want to know who in my city wants to see women made horror produced in Canada. And like, yep. I'm going to go to the Bloody Mary Film Festival and I'm going to find out. And you get to see stuff you would never see anywhere else. Or if it was available to you, you probably would like not have known to look for it. You get right. to kind of like meet so many people. It's really like close. You get to like hear from creators in a really casual setting. Um, I don't know. They're just so magical
0: yeah i you know and if listeners if i sound a little bit weird tonight uh and nasally it's because i literally have just returned from the telluride horror show like got in at two in the morning and then went straight to work up at six to go to work and i've picked up that um travel cold so i'm a bit nasally a bit jet lagged and a bit exhausted but we'll get through um to me, when people talk about loving the theatrical experience and missing the theatrical experience and how special movies are like, this is what they're talking about. Like they're not talking about, you know, the Friday evening AMC theater of like, we'll just go see something because it's showing because if I want to replicate the theatrical experience at home, I'll pay my daughter 10 bucks to like sit in front of me with her phone on while she talks the whole time throughout a movie. Um, But at a film festival, it's like you're going there because you love movies and you're there with a community of like-minded persons as well. Um, and that is like a, the real celebration of cinema. You know, if we want to be really snooty about it, um, and you're going there, you know, usually blind. You don't know what you're going to see or you know what titles you want to see, but you haven't seen them yet. And you just have that anticipation that you're going to love it. Um, I'm looking at my left right now and my wife had done some strange things with the power cords in my office while I was gone. So if I look a little bit, Lindsay, if I look a little bit confused, that's why (laughs) I'm like, why is that there? What is off
1: screen? Like I'm like, Oh my goodness. Slasher, like
0: getting murdered. (laughs) Um, so that's to me what it's all about. And then the people you get to meet, like I've gotten to meet some tremendous friends throughout the years going to these things. Um, so that is why I'd recommend it. And, you know, if one good thing came out of COVID, like I, to be honest, like never want to attend a virtual festival again. <laughs> yeah. um, but that being said, like, like Chattanooga has done it. Salem Horror is actually doing it uh, the, starting on the 24th. It does give opportunity to a lot of persons that for whatever reason, whether it's the cost Whether it is because they're immunocompromised, whether they have some, you know, some, whether there's like some disability that prevents them from traveling, the ability to take part in it and be part of that larger community. Um, you know, I know that I'm really privileged to get to travel to some of these things. So that being said, let's dive into a few movies that Lindsay and I have caught this year at various festivals. Um. And what our favorites are, and some movies that you should be looking out for, and we have not seen one another's lists yet, so this should be interesting. So, Lindsay, do you want to kick it off, or should I?
1: Um, you go. I am. I feel like you might have more than me, and I also am like really curious which ones we might overlap okay. on. Okay,
0: so I'm gonna start with my favorite movie of the year. Um, I saw this at Telluride Horror. I get to I got to introduce the. Telluride premiere of it. Um, So. A lot of people have the stories of like seeing the exorcist or Texas chainsaw massacre in theaters and being in seeing someone that was so terrified by it that they either fainted or they were so gross out by that they ran out of the theater vomiting. And I can tell you that this movie caused no less than two people that I saw after the screening puking outside of the Palm Theater this Friday evening. Now, it could be the elevation. It could have been they were drinking beforehand and it caught up with them. I don't care. This is my I saw people vomit outside of this movie. It is the Taiwanese um, virus slash zombie film The Sadness directed by Rob Jabaz
1: i've heard it's a lot i have not seen it it but i've
0: heard it's a lot it's a lot it should it it has come with like basically i think as we introduced it um brad introduced the second screening brad mccarg my co-host comes with every trigger warning known to man like graphic violence sexual violence violence against men violence against the elderly violence against women um It is extremely graphic, but it never dwells on it. It's Mm. not a movie that, like, there was another movie that had sexual violence in it over the weekend that actually I found that scene more upsetting. Mm. This is just so ridiculous that you can't help but feel – I I couldn't help but fall in love with it. And Mm. the other thing about it is it's not like – you get a movie like Hostile and – You know, there's large stretches where not a lot really happens. And then you get a couple showcase moments. Mm -hmm. This is about 89 minutes or about 96 minutes long. And from minute seven or eight, like when it actually kicks in it doesn't let up like and to it. Some people would say to its fault, like those that didn't like the movie said like, well, it's just one scene after another of really fucked up, gory, weird shit happening. And to me, it's like the beauty of this movie is it's one scene after another of gory, fucked up shit happening. So it takes place in Taiwan and it's basically, there is a virus that has caused like a mild flu, Throughout, that has infected pretty much the whole population, uh, but there are no deaths in it. And there are scientists saying, hey, we still need to be really vigilant. We still need to be really careful. Like if this thing mutates, like we think it will be very bad and nobody believes them. <laughs> and sure enough, the scientists are correct and it gets really bad. It causes rage. So think 28 days later uh, in that it causes this, this, unquenchable rage in a person and it causes them to lash out the opening scene of gore is just like this old woman like literally ripping a guy's melted face off of him and then um carnage after that um there is skull fucking which is always a pleasurable thing um and there is like this subway scene like stabbing scene which it's just like it looks like you're just ice skating on blood basically so it is um it's incredible like really well done it has probably the best head explosion this side of scanners Mm -hmm. um strong recommend to anybody who just wants like a violent practical effects laden showcase um this it it's usually not my kind of movie but Right now, the sadness, like, sits at number one for my favorite movie of the year.
1: Wow. Okay. I know.
0: Strong wow. opening. Strong words.
1: Strong. Ooh, I want to come at you with something, like, intense. I'm like, I don't know here. Um, I mean, we're sticking to festival faves. I think the first one I'm going to mention is Agnes. Because um, I feel like it's, it's... My festival ones tend to be, like, a little bit like their genre, but they're horror adjacent, I would say. Um, so, Agnes is from... Um, uh, Mickey Reese, I, for some reason was like not Mickey Keating Lindsay, um, from Mickey Reese, uh, who people might know from Climate of the Hunter. I think that was his like kind of popular uh, festival movie last, um, last time around. And it like kind of comes out, it's like an exorcism movie. Like that's kind of how it pitches itself. Um, it's really like not what it's about at all. Um, it is really weird. Like first, so the opening, uh, I guess the first half, let's say, is um, very dry, uh, very like, you know, nuns and popes and bishops or whatever, members of the clergy, I guess, um, speaking very casually and colloquially in a way that feels like very like Armando Iannucci, just like this view of these like high-ranking Catholic clergy members, but they're like chilling and speaking very casually so it's very like funny and snappy and cracky crackly in that way and there's this like exorcist who has these like cheap infomercials just very like silly weird and funny um and it's about essentially a woman a nun at a convent who is allegedly possessed and the priest and his assistant that they send to exorcise her um and there, it really just seems like it's going to be like some like trashy exorcism story. But then as it goes on, it's much more about like questioning of faith and support Mm -hmm. and kind of like what it means, you know, is she possessed? What's happening to her? How is she being treated? um, How are people treating her and her friend kind of deciding whether or not she believes it? And it's not even really about like the faith and belief, but just kind of like witnessing this horrible Hmm. event and how it affects these young women um and then the back half kind of ends up being this really quiet story of this young woman who um is kind of like left on her own after all of that happened and what it means to kind of like go back to regular life as someone with like no support um so it really like sneaks up on you because it's like very very funny and silly and over the top and then suddenly it's this like quiet beautiful story of like a lost young woman and all of it is just about like faith and support and like what you know how important those things are and what they mean and it's just like beautiful like i didn't i expected it would be like okay i heard "Climb to the hunter was good people were divided on it no. um and then i put it on and i was like what is this it's just so surprising and i really loved it i think it's really special
0: where did you catch that one
1: this one i saw at fantasia but it also okay. played at fantastic fest
0: okay that sounds fascinating i love a story that shows the aftermath of what happens like usually especially in horror you, you get your resolution and then you know roll credits mm-hmm. uh, and i'm always fascinated by like well what happens afterwards uh, which i think is why people really love like halloween h20 and halloween mm-hmm. 2018 so much because uh, you follow like your heroine in, in, or the Elm Street series, you see, like, what happened with Nancy after you want to see, like, how does someone rebound from this? So that's really fascinating. It takes that kind of like third act turn where you get to follow her for the rest of it. So and it's called Agnes,
1: yeah. Agnes, I will
0: definitely be interested in checking that out. Great. Well, you mentioned Mickey Keating, um, offhandedly there, so I will give you my second movie, which is Mickey Keating's off season, oh. which I also caught at Tell your right horror this past weekend. So what, you know, fascinates me about Mickey Keating. Like this is about his sixth film. Um And what fascinates me about him is none of his movies feel the same or look the same. He doesn't really have a calling card. If you watch pod, and then watch Darling, and then watch Psychopaths. All of them feel completely different from one another. And I'm fascinated by a filmmaker that is consistently pushing his own boundaries and not allowing himself to get kind of like trapped in doing the same thing over and over again. And chatting with him this weekend, and like doing the Q&A with him as well, you know, he said one of the things is like as he makes more movies he, instead of it getting easier, it gets harder because like now he knows what he doesn't know at this point. And he's always like, well, what can I do to push myself a little bit more? And it becomes that much more of a challenge. And seeing him grow as a filmmaker is awesome. So this one carries like really heavy vibes of movies like Dead and Buried, which is a childhood, I don't want to say a childhood favorite. It's a movie that I saw way too young, and it fucked me up for 40 years. Like I consistently had nightmares around this movie as a kid. Uh, and the fog as well would be a really big influence. And actually it's kind of like the best adaptation without being an adaptation of the first couple silent Hill games. Uh, it has that kind of creepy offsetting vibe to it. Uh, Jocelyn Donahue, who I love and who makes everything incredible. Um, She stars as a woman that has to go back to this little island town off the coast of Florida uh, because her mother's headstone has been damaged uh, and vandalized. And it's this town where the only way in and out is over this one bridge. And it's the last day of the season before the bridge goes up. And then once you're on the island, you can't get off it. So it's kind of a race against time for her to find out what happened and then get off. Spoiler alert, she doesn't um all of the persons that live on the island are incredibly weird and off-putting uh they're very unsettling um it's just like it's a movie that's broken into chapters and you just the more you learn about the inhabitants of the island the more that you learn about you know why her you know it comes out that her mother never wants it to be buried on the island and then she was um when you find out the reasons for that, it's just really, really creepy. There's a definite cosmic horror vibe to it as well that is that comes out. And it's this movie that in one hand it's very small. Like a lot of it is just Jocelyn Donahue running around from place to place and trying to figure out what's going on while there's a lot of creepy fog and uh, empty storefronts uh, in a lot of open space around her. So it's this really intimate story, but at the same time, it's his largest movie in terms of scope. Like He shot it anamorphic. He captures all this incredible detail. Um, and it's the kind of movie that, like it, it's going to be on Shudder. It's going to get a limited theatrical um, where it'll play some select cities and then Shudder will have it in 2022, mm-hmm. but it deserves to be a scene deserves to be seen as big of a screen as possible because it just looks it just it feels enveloping when you watch it on a on a really big screen so uh off season by Mickey Keating if you want something that just feels unnerving it's a strong recommend
1: okay love that I remember I think that one was at Fantasia and it got a lot of hype is it Fantasia? Yeah. I think Fantasia might
0: be. I think he said he played that. He played Stitches. Mm. Uh, I know it's made like the festival rounds. Yeah. Like it's played a lot of places, yeah. um, which has been great for him. And you know, it's. Uh, but it did get. Uh, it is getting uh, some distribution through RLJ, oh, nice. and then Shutter's picked it up as well.
1: Cool. Um, okay, I love that. Um, I feel like yours are like so meaty. I'm like, oh, I want to get in on this. Okay. My next one. What am I going to pick? Um, my next one that I'm going to go with is it technically I didn't see it at a film festival, but it just finished the festival circuit. And I think it's a fun one to talk about. I'm going to go with VHS 94.
0: OK, um,
1: which I didn't really one we
0: can see right now. There yeah, we go.
1: it's on Shutter, so you can watch it. It's definitely not one that I like expected to pick. Um, it's. How do I explain VHS 94? So for those who don't know, VHS is a series. This is, I believe, the third one. Um. Fourth. The fourth. I was just about to be like, might be the fourth. Yeah. Um, so it is the fourth one in, in a uh in a batch, in a franchise, or you want to call it, um, where the idea is that they are anthologies, so it's short features kind of held together by a wraparound, uh, different creators for each of the shorts. I actually haven't seen any of the other ones, so I kind of like didn't expect, um, that I was, you know, I didn't really know what to expect or what was happening. And I will say, uh, I threw this on. So the bit on this one is that every feature, a uh, short uh, feature, I guess i should say every short, um, feels like it was shot in 19- 1994. So the whole bit is that it looks like a 94 shot, um, movie and uh it's unbalanced there are four shorts and a wraparound the second two i could kind of leave them on the table wouldn't um, line up for them um but the first two are wicked um there is one if you've seen the phrase hail ratna over twitter that is why seen that (laughs) yeah now you know what it's from um it's this like really bizarre short where it's easily about a newscaster investigating a rumor of a rat man who lives in the sewers Um, and then in doing so she gets, you know, into deep kind of obsessing and trying to get like the best shot and the best story and, uh, you know, sees some, um, homeless people and wants to, um, profile them and kind of talk about how they're treated and ends up like deep in the sewers and accidentally coming, uh, into contact with whom, you know, you might refer to as the rat man and it's absurd and really fun and you should watch it. Um, the second short is, oh gosh, I should look up the, uh the creator of that one, but in any event, it's a female director, um, which is pretty cool. And the second one is made by Simon Barrett, who um wrote The Guest and also directed Seance, which came out this year. Um and he it's called The Funeral, I believe. And it's just yep. basically about this woman um overseeing a um a wake overnight. And it's ju- it's just that's all you need to know. And it's just very fun okay. and cool. So yeah, the back half, not my favorite. Um, The uh, third one is not terrible. It is by uh, the director who did The Night Comes for Us and, um, you know, those really sick... And awesome uh, Indonesian action movies. Um, but you know, it's it's okay. Didn't hate it, but it's just okay. And then the fourth one I could definitely be on the table. So okay. there you go.
0: I don't like a lot of people say Timos is like their favorite in the, I know that and Ratma are the oh, two of their favorites. Timos so. is like
1: pretty good. It has like mm. a it has a it's good, it's just like a little bit too long. It has a gag okay. that um is really, really great and fun, but doesn't work for the 94 theme, yeah. which I think might be like people's beef um but i don't know i just like Timo so much so i'm like an easy crowd but then when people were okay. like oh it's not my favorite i was like i get why i get why yeah.
0: okay and you can see that on shutter now right yeah, that's of streaming shutter. so i think i need to like sit down and watch that yeah. um i go back and forth on the vhs franchise mm-hmm. like i want to love it because of the people involved um and some of the segments really stand out but i think it's like any anthology where like you know you get some hits and misses yeah. with it um All right. My next one is from the Chattanooga Film Fest, which uh, was virtual for the second year in a row this year. Really hoping that it returns to in-person in 2022 Mm. because – that fun fact, like the last thing I did before everything got locked down was buy my flight to Chattanooga to go to that film fest, like book the time off. And then everything got shut down. And I still have this like airline credit that expires at some nebulous date that I haven't been able to use yet. Um, yeah. This is called and it's this is actually available right now yeah. to rent on demand for, I think, a few bucks. It's called My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To by Jonathan uh, Karatis is the writer and director of it. I would call this like the spiritual successor to let the right one in. Um, it concerns a family of three, like an older brother and sister, and then like their teenage brother who is like uh, housebound and invalid. And the reason he is invalid is because he suffers from vampirism. Um, So the it's up to the older brother. He basically spends each night kind of like combing the streets for like homeless or vagrants or just persons that, you know, and I don't mean this to be insensitive, but persons that wouldn't be missed. Um, and he brings them back to his place and kills them so his brother can feed. Um, It is bleak. It is really dour, like especially the older brother. You can see like how difficult this is for him in terms of like no, on one hand, wanting to see his brother survive. Like he loves his family. He doesn't want any harm to come to his brother. Um, And this is what it takes to have him survive. But at the same time, like there's a very real toll that it takes on your, You know, your psyche, like the unspeakable evil acts that he has to do in order to kind of maintain it. And at the same time, the younger brother is like, I am alive, but what sort of life is it? Um, It's that kind of movie. It's grim as hell. Um, I really loved it. Like, it's one of those things where it's... (laughs) You know, I'm usually not, like, a grim, dark, like, sad movie person, but this one, for whatever reason, like, it hit the right sweet spot for me. Um, there's, like, a subplot, like, he goes to, um, like, a local escort, not for sex, but just to have someone to talk to, basically. And when the family finds out about that, when the sister finds out about that, um, things go a certain way, and we'll leave it at that for right now. So... Yeah, it's called Let... I'm uh, sorry, it is called My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. It is available um, to rent on demand right now.
1: Okay. You inspired me to be like, you know, what qualifies as this festival season faves? I'm like, I want to go back into the 2020s that didn't come out until 2021. Um, and I might. I think I'm going to tell you about... Actually, I, I have a feeling it might have been on one of our Patreon episodes, so I almost want to skip it. Um... But why not? Let's do it. So one of my favorites out of 2020, which is not out until... Actually, that's not true. February 2021. We're counting it, people. It counts. Um, One of my favorites uh, from 2021 is a movie called Bloody Hell, Um, which I don't... Oh, good movie. Yeah, right? Okay. I was like, that was this year. That counts. I know we did festival season, but let's just go with with festival. Look,
0: we're a small indie podcast. We can do whatever we want. Let's just go (laughs) with
1: 2021 festival. So a movie called Bloody Hell, it is super absurd it um is a it's directed by a guy named Alistair Grayson and um it stars a guy named Ben O'Toole and basically mm-hmm. the way i described it is it was like rambo uh, got shoved in we are what we are where it's basically um a rambo type character who ends up getting caught up in like a very uh bleak not bleak but i guess grim gritty kind of um euro horror um, so the idea is that this guy, um, named Rex, played by Ben O'Toole, he uh is arrested after kind of playing hero. He's a you know, retired soldier and he's arrested after playing hero during a bank robbery where he gets somebody killed. Um, and he becomes super famous while he's in jail. So he becomes this like really famous person who like thwarted this robbery and went down for it, um, while he's in jail. So when he comes out of jail back to, you know, trying to um come back to his life Uh, he's like famous and being chased by paparazzi and he's like on the cover of magazines and he's kind of about this brand new life so he wants to run from it and he decides to just like get lost in europe and in doing so he ends up getting kidnapped by this family of cannibals that kind of like lock him in the basement um, with a plan to uh, cannibalize him and Again, this is like, he's, you know, he's Rambo. They locked Rambo in their basement. So, like, imagine, you know, what this guy might accomplish. And the long-running bit is that he sort he um kind of separates himself in a way that he has conversations with himself. So, he plays a, you know, Ben O'Toole plays a dual role of, like, Rex and then Rex's mind walking around. So, it, it's cool because he's kind of got, like, two characters. That's a long-running yeah. bit. But it's just this, like super soldier type character you know your american action movie character played by an australian guy but your classic like american action movie hero mm-hmm. being shoved into like a very specific european horror movie so it's just kind of like a hilarious crossover of genres that yeah. manifests is just like an absolute blast
0: and it's got some great gore some great visual effects it's really fun it's funny as hell like that yeah, that was one of my favorites from uh, 2020 as well. So I would highly recommend that one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is so, awesome.
0: Uh, my next one, this one also played Telluride Horror. Uh, it is called, it's sticking with a the vampire theme, Let the Wrong One In. It is a. Welsh horror movie Uh, I'm sorry no it's a British horror movie Uh, and it co-stars Anthony Head who you might know from Giles uh, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer he plays a vampire slayer in this movie rather than just a watcher it's basically about um, two brothers and one of the brothers is turned into a vampire one night this brother's kind of ne'er do well like alcoholic, drug addict can't hold a job like can be kicked out of the home uh, and then there is like the younger brother who is the kind of goody two shoes. And when the brother shows back up again, like I I'm a vampire uh, wacky hijinks and So it is like, Kind of partially hilarious for the Irish, uh, the thick, thick uh, British and Irish accents in the movie. Like the accents are super fucking thick in this movie. So it's one of those things where you're like, I don't think I quite understood anything that was just said there, but it's also hilarious. Um, Some really good like visual gore some really great humor. Like if you were a fan of the um, children's vampire book, banicula growing up, I think you will really like this movie because there is a vampire rabbit as well. At one point, um, it's absolutely goofy. Uh, one of the subplots includes like this vampire, like the, the vampire bride of Anthony heads, uh, taxi driver character, uh, basically going around and making tons of vampires while he tries to clean up after her um it just was one of those things that made me laugh like throughout the whole freaking movie like because it's so silly there's a montage where the kid gets trained in how to fight vampires and it's a fantastically hilarious montage um strong recommend it's called let the wrong one in one of the better like horror comedies I've seen in a while. Like, and it is one of those things. Like I will admit like certain movies just play really well in front of a crowd at a festival. Like this was like Friday afternoon at, I don't know, like five o'clock first day of the show, people were amped up and ready to go. And like from the first moment where you have this like giant bouncer in Transylvania, getting like hit in the head with an inflatable, um, dildo, then you're like, the crowd was into it, you know? So you're like, this is one of the reasons I recommend festivals because it plays much better like that than maybe seeing it on your sofa. Hundred
1: um, percent. I really like, that's one that I really had my eyes out for. I really yeah. want to see that. Um, I just like the title alone. I'm like, yes.
0: Yeah. Um, you know what you're getting in for yeah. when you see that title. I mean, you're like, Pretty much at that point, you go, okay. I know what you're going yeah, for.
1: Yeah, very funny. And I should point out, uh, so Bloody Hell did come out in 2021, um, but it played uh, Nightstream, the um, mm-hmm. the remote festival that kind of like brought Brooklyn Horror and a few others together. Um, that's where it was. It played Nightstream in 2020. Um, yeah. yeah, it comes out just yeah. You know, to be clear, um, okay. What am I going to do next? I've got a few here that I'm pretty excited about. I'm going to go with Sweetie. You won't believe it. <gasps>
0: Oh, I've heard good things about this. I got to intro it, but didn't get a chance to see it.
1: Oh, get get your chance if you can. Sweetie won't believe it is very fun. Uh, I saw it at Fantasia. It is currently playing at the Toronto After Dark Film Festival, so it is making its rounds. Um, I guess by the time you hear this, it will have played at the Toronto After Dark Film Festival, uh, which was remote this year, so hopefully people got to get... Um, get uh, a look at it that way. So I basically described it. I called it like the dude ensemble gets bloody. Um, it's really, so first of all, it's out of Kazakhstan. Um, and the, um, basic like, way of looking at it is it's a lot like The Hangover. Like, it's impossible not to compare it to The Hangover. But, like, imagine The Hangover, but, like, they drive into rural horror. So if, like, Bloody Hell is Rambo landing in Europe, um this is The Hangover <laughs> landing into rural horror. Um like
0: Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, Massacre.
1: literally. It's like if the guys from Hangover found themselves in Texas Chainsaw. Um so, Oh,
0: it sounds wonderful. Yeah,
1: it's so surprising. I didn't know much about it when I uh, got into it. So it kind of like opens on the main character um, who is uh, named Dastan. And he basically is just like... You know, the guy, his nagging wife is pregnant and he's buying diapers and can't afford them. And it's just like, you know, just not not happy. And his wife's just like mad at him for not being happy and not being a good husband and dad. And so they're just bickering and fighting. So he just decides I'm going on a fishing trip with the boys Um, like the day she's about to give birth. He's like, I'm going fishing with the boys. See you later. And he like rounds up the boys to go fishing. And the boys are like, oh, I thought we were just hanging out to avoid your wife. I didn't realize you actually wanted to go fishing. But they do. And so they like pack into a van and they head to the to the woods. Um, And in doing so, they come across, you know, your average uh, gas station attendant who's a little cryptic and creepy and, you know, get some scary directions that may or may not be sending them on their way. And they kind of just like roll into this like absolute horror show. And so it is a horror comedy, but it is like it's. Like, you kind of want to say it's like Tucker and Dale because it's like a horror comedy and rural horror, but it's really not. It's much more the, like, dudes being bros, being guys, being dudes, um, getting attacked by, like, Are they likable like dudes? Like They're likable. They, okay. Yeah. And they're kind of like, so it's really messy. I think I, oh my gosh, I had some, like, I called it, like, a... Uh, like a colossal mashup of multiple ineptitudes or something silly like that and everyone's like oh like the movie is inept and I'm like no no the movie is perfectly adept it's just everyone in the movie is stupid because it's um the dudes who are very likable uh, end up pissing off like a group of gangsters who are trying to kill them but then there's like the like chainsaw family trying to kill the gangsters and then also trying to kill them so it's just like multiple people all trying to kill each other and it's just like so absurd and the title is a hint of what happens at the end if that's you know whatever and excellent it's really funny and like really it's like a good like a legit horror type movie but it's also just like super funny and super fun and i totally recommend it
0: yeah this is one that got buzzed about at telluride horror like i, I didn't get a chance to catch it i could just intro it really quick and then had to run off but um it, the buzz coming out of that one was pretty strong. Like That's one the audience has tended to really, really enjoy. Nice. Um, my next one is by a husband, wife, and teenage daughter team of John Adams, Zelda Adams, their daughter, and... To- I'm sorry. Uh, John Adams, uh, his wife, Toby Poser, and their daughter, Zelda Adams, who's a senior in high school. Uh, this is like their third or fourth movie they've all code- written and co-directed together. It is called A Hellbender um it is gorgeous like so so family like they all live in upstate new york and they basically make movies on their own time if you want to check one of their efforts out uh the deeper you dig was their previous movie and that's currently streaming on shutter um, and that was a really good movie like we, we played that a couple years ago at tell your this is a step up um like you can see how much further they've come along with it it uh is very much about like the mother and daughter like the mother is i'm gonna say witch for lack of a better term like it's really like they're considered hellbenders but for by and large like they're witches um and it's about like trying to protect her daughter who doesn't know she's a witch as well and then as you can imagine the daughter starts to discover her powers and a lot of crazy, weird shit starts to happen. Um, thematically, like it's a movie that sits near and dear to my heart. It's really about like as a parent watching your child grow up and in some ways like surpass you uh, as an adult in having to kind of like take the training wheels off and let go a little bit and how scary that can be. Miss um, Poser and her daughter Zelda, like they kind of carry the movie. Like ninety percent of it is the two of them on the screen, uh, and they are a delight to watch um they get to do some things as filmmakers because a they live in upstate new york where there are actual seasons B they're kind of on their own time like they talk about the process of like they'll be at home and they'll be like hey why don't we go shoot this scene outside for an hour and then we'll just come back in and carry on with whatever they're doing at that point point. and they all like co-direct and co-write it together. So they'll all take turns at kind of lensing or setting up certain scenes and then going with what they think the best take of it is. So you actually see a lot of time play out from like summer to fall to winter. Um, They take full advantage of the natural landscape around them. Like it's shot in a really beautiful area. Uh, They also do the music for the movie. And I think um, their band is on Spotify. So if you look up Hellbender and it's just really kind of like moody, uh, kind of moody, not pop punk, but like pop music with a little like indie rock edge to it. The music is wonderful. Uh, Zelda's performance is great in it. Um, Toby Poser's The Mom is really wonderful in it as well. And it's just like, it's fascinating to me like how the three of them operate. Because they are all kind of on the same page. And you can tell that they really enjoy working together as a family and making these movies where... I have an 11 year old where it's hard to get her to watch a movie with us sometimes let alone like actually create one. So it's called hellbender. We just played it at tell It will be getting a limited release next year and it will be on shutter as well. So you'll be able to catch it in 2022.
1: Nice. I love that choice. I had it on my like maybe list. Cause I mm-hmm. definitely, when I watched it, I didn't love it as much as everyone else, but it's one of those yep. ones. Um, Do you ever find, I know you don't like really write reviews um, anymore, but do you ever find like when you're kind of like thinking about a movie later or writing your review, you end up being like, Oh, you know what? I liked it more than I thought. Yeah.
0: Um, That happens all the time. Yeah. So when
1: I watched it, I was like, okay, it's fine. Like I get it. It's their bit like a couple of cute moments. And then I was, as I was writing, like you said it much more beautifully, but as I was writing, I was like, yeah, it looked cool. The mother daughter chemistry was undeniable and it like really came through. It was funny in a way that you could see a mother and daughter bantering it's yep. like a cool coming of age story um joe Lipset compared it to raw and i was like yeah good point mm-hmm. um so it's definitely one that i kind of like reflected and was like i do yeah. like that movie um so there you go
0: and there are bits that are out and out scary especially mm-hmm. yeah. towards the end of the movie like there's some psychedelic moments in it uh, yeah really enjoyed it
1: yeah um cool what do you got next okay i got two more and i need to know if i should pick one
0: yeah, I do too. That's fine. Okay,
1: we'll keep it. Okay, I'm gonna do my like second favorite and favorite. And I'll do it in that order. So, the next one I'm picking is Silent Night. Um, so this one played at TIFF, mm-hmm. and it's not like horror per se, but it's definitely scary. I almost hesitate. Like, this is the one that I would have skipped in this conversation for the sake of the fact that this movie is going to be, colossally more effective if you have no idea what's happening. So, okay, if you can avoid reading about it, if you can avoid watching any trailers I don't even know if there are trailers um it will be absolutely to your benefit I'm gonna be as like vague as I can it stars Kira Knightley as a woman named Nell it's about her and her family uh and all of her siblings which include um Sandra who's played by Annabelle Wallace who you all know from Malignant um and the Conjuring um movie the uh what's that one that she's in Annabelle Annabelle Wallace is in Annabelle Um, Sope, I don't want to say his name, DeRusu, um, who I love from Gangs of London, um, and also was in, um, his house this year, is also in it. Um, so really cool cast. Uh, Lily Rose Depp is in it. Anyway, very cool cast. Um, and essentially it's a family getting together for Christmas and they all seem to be dreading it. Um, no one seems to be, like, excited about this big family Christmas dinner, which I think we can all relate to. And, um, Yeah. I'm going to like be as vague as possible. They all kind of arrive and they're all being like a little bit weird and cryptic. And it kind of reads like your average, like Christmas family dinner comedy. um, But with like a little bit more spunk and you're kind of like, what is happening here? Um, And then the movie, you know, by the end of the first act certainly just shows its cars and it's just about something much more um, sad and grim and also very, very scary um, than you think. And yeah, it kinda tips its hand at that dinner scene and you're like, oh damn, okay. Um, and it just like really changes its tone. But it's really sweet, it's very beautiful, um, it's really sad, it's really scary, um, it's really prescient, even though it was, you know, not intended to be. Um, and it's just like really fun. Like I it was one of those things that ended and I was like, damn, everyone's gonna love this or everyone's gonna hate this. Like it's not gonna be divisive. I just don't know what people are gonna think yet. And then it turned out most people were like, Holy shit, I love that movie. So I really recommend it. Check it out if you can and try to stay as cold as you can on it.
0: And it looks like it's going to get a release in December of this year.
1: That is true. Yes.
0: Excellent. So I don't know if that means like theatrical or if it means some sort of streaming, um, but we can find that later this year. So I am very intrigued. So I am going to mark that one down. It's just from your description giving me the invitation vibes and you don't have to confirm or deny that Uh, but the invitation is one of my favorite movies of the past 10 years so that's Karen
1: Kusama Um, so I'm on board
0: and this is Camille Griffin looks like like after a bunch of shorts her um, first feature directing debut her first feature debut so I have two left and I'll be short as well I will start with when the screaming starts which is another horror comedy Uh, and it is a British horror comedy as well a lot of british comedies this year. Um it's probably more comedy than it is horror. It is about a documentary filmmaker that um is following around like a burgeoning serial killer uh, this dude who wants to be a serial killer. Like he's obsessed with death. He's obsessed with murder and he really wants to be a serial killer. And the documentary Terry, is like, Oh, you know, what a wonderful opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, get into the ground floor on this and follow him around. And wouldn't you know what this dude is completely incompetent, oh uh, has no idea what he's doing. Like his first attempt at trying to kill somebody goes horribly wrong for him and ends up with him getting like the shit kicked out of him. Basically. Um, um and also attacked by a goose um which is wonderful um so he decides the next best thing is to start his own manson family um so the movie like follows us like there's an application for that him and his girlfriend have others fill out uh you see people kind of interviewing for it uh and eventually his family comes together um except there is like one person in the family who a seems far more adept at killing than anybody else in the troop. and then B like wants that lead role as like the family head member for themselves at that point. It's really hilarious. Um, but then as the movie goes on, it like actually takes a pretty big total shift as the movie goes on. like the comedy becomes less and less so until like the last act is actually pretty dark uh, and pretty grim. Um, so it's kind of a mix of like what we do in the shadows, um, behind the mask and not quite man bites dog, uh, the French found footage movie from like the, uh, I think the nineties about a serial killer. It's not quite like that adroit, but you know, you definitely get a little bit of that vibe from it. Um, and like, as it makes that shift away from, kind of comedy into more like dramatic horror it's very subtle you almost don't know that it's happening until it actually happens if that makes sense and again this played really well for our crowd this year at um at uh tell your right horror like it's one that a lot of people really enjoyed um especially like saturday morning at like noon you know people like laughing their ass off at a serial killer movie is a lot of fun i
1: love that that sounds so fun
0: all right, you got one more in you?
1: Yeah, I'm taking it home with one more. This is not horror point blank, but it is kind of scary. It's sci-fi. It's genre. It played at a genre festival. I'm counting it. This yep. is definitely going to be one of my favorite movies of the year, there is no question. Uh Fantasia 2021, Fantastic Fest 2021, Toronto After Dark 2021, I believe Nightstream 2021, Beyond the Infinite 2 minutes. Okay. Um so this is a movie. Uh <laughs> it's a movie. That's all I can tell you. Um it is a time travel movie, and that's what makes it sci-fi. But it's very much a um, a single location movie. So if you know anything about me, you know that I'm obsessed with movie coherence. I think it's one of the greatest movies ever, and it is a single location sci-fi. Like that's the type of stuff I will like line up for all day long. Is give me something that doesn't bother with a bunch of effects do some movie magic and make this single location into something really special. Um, So that's what happened here. It's out of Japan. It was like an improv troupe or an acting troupe or something like that, that thought this would be a fun idea to do during COVID. And they came up with this idea that they very intricately put together um, of basically a monitor on a timed delay and how Mm -hmm. they might exploit that to see the future. Um, Mm -hmm. So it stars, um, so, yeah, and they did it's really intricate. If you stick stick around to the end credits, um, they show them like plotting it and planning it, which is just like the type of stuff I line up for, like very primer, very cool. Um, and basically it's this guy, he's kind of a loser, you know, kind of down and out. He lives on top of a cafe, which I think he works at, but he might own it. And there is a security monitor where he can see downstairs from his room. He can see into the cafe, Uh, but it's on a two minute delay. And when he's upstairs watching his monitor, he is faced with himself from two minutes in the future, Um, talking to him and telling him like, Hey, I'm in the future. Um, You know, here's what's going to happen in the next two minutes. And then he walks down the stairs to the cafe and goes to the monitor and is now looking back at himself in his apartment and says everything that he just saw future him, say, on the interesting, monitor. Yeah. So it's kind of shot meant to look like one long take. It's not. There's obviously some magic and tricks in there. But the idea is that it looks like one long take. They shot it all on iPhones, I believe. Um, and it looks like it's a single take of him basically slowly discovering what he can accomplish with his little time delay time TV, uh, telling his friends about it, playing with it, experimenting, and kind of how it pays off. Um, it's short and sweet. I know some people might, you know, could be like, oh, it's kind of repetitive. I don't feel that way at all. I think that it like ups its stakes the whole time. Like you kind of think like eventually I'm just going to be watching a guy walking in a loop, but that's not what happens at all. Like they just keep throwing stuff into the mix in unbelievable ways that you're like, oh my God. And the math is sound and the science is sound and the theory like theory is sound, which is so, so cool. Um, and it's just like silly and playful. I think what's so special about it, aside from following its own rules is it does a really great job of visually establishing its rules. Um, so for instance, by using the single take, when you see, you know, future him on the monitor down the stairs and current him on the monitor, uh, up the stairs, and he starts walking down the stairs, you actually expect that they're going to run into each other because you know that they're both about to head to the stairs at the same time. But when they don't, It just really visually, by seeing him walk down empty stairs and then be faced with himself up the stairs, you're like, oh yeah, because they're in different times. So it does these like really smart things to visually cue you into what the rules are and then stand by them. And it's super fun and super cool. If you liked movies like Coherence, movies like Primer, anything in that kind of category, you're going to have a lot of fun with this. And it's also like very funny Um, where those movies are serious. This one is like silly and funny.
0: Excellent. Excellent. I have a sci-fi horror movie as well then to end things. Let's go. So this was filmed in 2019, but it started to play the festivals this year. I caught this as part of uh, the Chattanooga Film Fest lineup this past spring. It's called Night Drive. Uh, it is co-directed by uh, Brad Barra and Megan Leon. Uh, and it stars like AJ Bowen and Sophie Dalla. Uh, so AJ Bowen, who is one of my favorite performers, like if you've heard me on the show before, you know how much I really love, like I think anything he's in, he immediately elevates. Uh, he plays a, a rideshare driver. I believe it's on Christmas Eve. And he picks up this young woman who kind of like has him go from place to place. And she has to pick some stuff up and, he gets basically entangled in her shenanigans like she has to like she gets this box from this person um who then chases them and then they go from location to location and people start dying basically um what you come to find out like it's not really a spoiler cuz it's kind of what the movie's about you come to find out that she has this um box that allows her to go to a room And travel back in time and change the events of like something that has happened. Um, So and he is like AJ Bowen's like rideshare driver is someone that has a really shitty past like his wife has left him. uh, He's lost like his whole career. He's kind of like really in the down and outs and he kind of feels it like he kind of wants a chance to start over himself. Um, and this box offers the opportunity to do it. Uh, and the woman he picks up, like, you don't know if you should root for her or not root for her. Whose side are you really on? And then she starts as the movie kind of rolls on there. Uh, she kind of shows her true colors. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember like really enjoying it. There's a lot of twists and turns in it. It ends in a really satisfying way. At least I thought it did. Um, and I don't know what the release for it is going to be. I don't think you can see it quite yet, um, but it was playing festivals earlier. Oh, actually, it looks like you can now rent it for like four bucks on oh, like nice. Amazon or Voodoo. So if you're looking for like a good, you know, kind of sci fi horror adjacent movie to watch this year, definitely uh, give Night Drive a oh, go.
1: That really sounds like my wheelhouse. No. Like that sounds like the kind of thing. I things. think you
0: would really dig it. Yeah. So.
1: That's like, I'm like, what now? Like, write that down. That sounds like very much my thing.
0: So that is a wrap on film festival movies. Is there anything coming up for festivals? Like you mentioned Toronto After Dark. Is there anything playing there that you've got your eye on?
1: um gosh good question um the ones that i was like really hyped about are ones that i've already seen so seobox i don't know oh my god that was like probably the worst pronunciation ever that's so embarrassing but a uh, korean movie um starring my goodness i forget his name who is in train to busan and also in squid game um uh is a really cool sci-fi movie that is playing at toronto after dark that i think is worth checking out it's like a little bit like long and tiring but if you stick it out it's like worth it because it's pretty cool on reflection I say about that um, I think like yeah there's I think we're kind of like reaching the tail end here we're kind of into Halloween stuff I'm sure I think like New York horror is in December or something like that yep. Um but yeah, I mean, we, you know, we're in it and I just, I'm really excited. Honestly, there's that really cool feeling of seeing your festival fades drop on streaming and yeah. being able to call your friends and tell them to watch, which go feels see like, this, yeah. yeah. And it feels like that was this exercise, which is cool to be able to be like, yeah. Hey, yeah.
0: So we hope you dug this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's address like very briefly, like the 5,000 pound gorilla in the room. So, you know, Lindsay and I have been like talking because our schedules are bananas. Um, You know, Lindsay, I know like you've scaled back on a lot of things just because like work is crazy not to speak for you. And like I need to start doing that as well, I think, just because like my day job and my side job in the psychoanalysis podcast are really time consuming. Um, And this show is obviously really near and dear to my heart. So I'm trying to figure out a way to kind of keep it going and we have tried some different things this month. Um, and I am trying to figure out, cause like I said, I have a number in mind and we haven't quite hit it yet. Um, so I know Lindsay is going to continue on as like a special guest from time to time. And then you know, I've got a proposal to have her on uh, to see what we can do, but we need like, it's, it's, it's our work schedules are nuts. Like if we, can't record on a certain day it's almost impossible for us to make it up like both of us just like it's either this day or not at all uh, which is kind of hard to do i think for both of us um and i know for me like there's a certain kind of show that i like doing that tends to like i've said this before like i want when you go back and listen to like our episodes on like halloween or urban legend or the conjuring I want you to be like, damn, that is like the definitive like audio documentary about it. And like, I don't need to listen to anything else if I if I at this point and I haven't been able to do that in a few months, um, which, you know, like wears on me. So I'm not saying that this is the end of the show. I'm not saying that like, oh, of the Pendulum is over. It's not going to continue. I'm going to say that for November what we're going to do is post two of our patron episodes. We're going to post uh, our mom and dad episode where we had a guest come on for that. Uh, And I'm going to post at least one more from that. Um, I think we're going to put a pause on the patron because we're not recording anything for Patreon this month that I know. So I can't in good conscience, like charge anyone for a patron page if we don't put content up for it. So we're going to put a pause on it. Uh, if it does continue, I'm going to retool it so it's easier and more manageable as well. Because I feel like I am sometimes under delivering for our patrons, and that falls on me. Um. um so,
1: sorry, I want you to finish with that.
0: Okay. Um. But in November, we're going to pause the show, put two episodes out from the archives of Patreon, and then hopefully in December be able to come back with a bit of a retooled show slightly different format like same idea of covering franchises but maybe something like a little bit more manageable because uh, i love doing this show and it means a lot to me and i've made some tremendous friends and relationships from it uh, and i don't want to see an end but i also need to put like Lindsay and my own so like mental health above everything else so that we don't kind of burn ourselves out here
1: yeah i will gosh i'm probably gonna cry about it i was watching a show that i won't tell you what show it is because it's so embarrassing for me um but the co- long aggressive. time <laughs> the long time co-host on the episode i watched like a week in, a week ago uh the long time co-host retired like left to be like i have other things and it's just been too much and i'm gonna leave um And he like totally cried about it. And I was like, oh, my God, I feel the same. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, I mean, first of all, what I just wanted to say quickly was like, I don't think that uh, you've underdelivered for anybody at all. I do agree that I think that we both felt um, where we often um, are really elated to cover so many different things. It became a bit uphill. Like we were very much like, oh, I got to fit the research in as opposed to like being so excited about all the research that we usually love to do. Um, so it's all about recalibrating, kind of figuring out kind of what works. I'm sad. I very much was like, I can't do it anymore. I'm gone. I'm so sorry. And like totally was ready for that. But then I feel like, you know, Mike's going to be doing his episode on Saw 5 and there's just like no way that episode's right. going to happen without me. Um, so that's kind of a, uh, and that's a very specific example. You don't have to cover Saw. But yeah. all that to say. Um, this is the best. The show's so special. Um, It really is a special show. The feedback from the show is so special. I love it so much. I like love it in every iteration and I will love it in every iteration yeah. uh, whether I'm a part of it or not and it's been just like such a thrill to be able to be a part of
0: it for this yeah. long. And this show is obviously my baby so like part of me is like maybe I should let it go and focus on the other um, and because that one is a very research heavy show mm-hmm. in a different way. Um. And then part of me is like, but I want to do the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I want to do Psycho. I want to do The Exorcist. So I need to figure a way that I can do that, not burn myself out, not neglect any of my professional responsibilities, you know, and also like. Not neglect being a dad and a husband. Um, I usually record this after everyone's in bed, um, so it's not too, too bad. But, you know, I just want to make sure that, like, if we deliver something, it's the best possible version of it. uh, Because I can look back on the 125 episodes we've done and be like, damn, like, they're very, very good. Um, They're excellent in some cases. And I want uh, that to continue. So it's not goodbye, but it's definitely... um, A quick pause and then we will see, you know, excuse me, what we're able to come back with. I think if it works, if my idea works, I think it would be a very exciting way that could keep the show going indefinitely. Um, But we'll see what happens. All right. On that note. Let us know what you're watching, what you're listening to, uh, what you're enjoying right now. Go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe to us over on iTunes. I will tell you that if we get a rash of five-star reviews after this episode, like it will make me more inspired to keep it going. If it's a collective shoulder shrug, then it's like, eh, all right, maybe it's had its course. Um, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Pod and Pendulum. And you can follow me at Mike underscore Slunian and Lindsay over at Smash Trades over on Twitter. Feed our ego if you want to keep it going. Uh, that's what I would say. And on that note, we'll wish you a happy Halloween and a great night.